gold. Welcome back, adjacent fam. This is your boy Alex. Uh, welcome to the welcome to season two of the podcast. I want to first and foremost start off saying thanks for listening to season one. Uh, I definitely had way more listens than I ever thought I would get. Um, at the start of this episode, I'm about at about like 700 unique listens to uh, all my episodes, and so like that's very exciting. So thank you all for supporting. Hopefully, in season two, I can keep the keep the momentum going, give you some more topics that you're interested in, and. You know, my, my, my guests will give you all the knowledge and information about their lives and that they have, and we'll kind of grow together. And so in standard procedure, we got another phenomenal uh, guest, special guest. Uh, we got Brother Lafayette Jordan. Uh, he is a legislative assistant of the Indiana State House of Representatives. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing pretty good. How about you, Alex? I am doing all right, just trying to live through this That's pandemic awesome. and through all exactly. the other crazy things happening in the world. Is that same? Same. There's a, we are living through some interesting times, to say the least. That's a, Great. That is one thing we are. Crazy times in 2020. It will be a, a year you will never forget. And then as you look at it in history books, you're like, that isn't right. So be prepared for that life for you. That's true. That is true. That, yeah. And my, I think, yeah, I'll be able to tell a lot of people about this in the future, what, we, what we've gone through. Yes. And then we, you know, if, you, if and when you have kids, you're going to look back and be like, I remember back in 2020. This happened, and I was like, all right, Dad, you, you know, you had a pandemic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All the typical old parent things to do, so get excited mm-hmm. for that one. <laughs> Definitely. Um, all right, so your episode is going to be a little different in terms of how I do an icebreaker. I got three questions for you. I normally oh, okay. ask one. I got three. Uh, as I was going through research, I was like, ooh, these are too good. And I think I'm excited for one of these questions. I'm really intrigued to see how you answer it. And so, uh, well, <laughs> no need to be nervous. It'll be good. And I, I think it'll just be funny. You'll, you'll be able to okay. break real quick. Okay. All right. So for, first question I got. So if you had to delete all the apps from your phone, except for three, which three would you keep? Ooh. Which three would I keep? Hmm. Okay. I would definitely keep Instagram. Hmm, this is hard. <laughs> I never thought about this. This is a good question. Okay, Instagram, probably Facebook. Um, app would I keep? That's a good question. Well, okay, my Fitbit app, I would keep that. I'm trying to get more healthy, you know, these <laughs> quarantine times and these <laughs> pandemic times, I've been trying to get more healthy. So I will keep the Fitbit app. <laughs> so Instagram, Instagram, Facebook, and Fitbit? Yep. Okay, okay. I was not prepared for Fitbit. You, you, you took it back. You, you took me to another level there. There we go. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Question number two. What was the worst haircut you've ever gotten? And just help us describe and understand why it was so bad. The worst haircut? Ooh. I, this, one is, this one is bad because I just had a flashback for a minute. Okay, hold on. Um... This was a long, long time ago, so it's not anybody like I, not anybody recent I've been to or anything like that. But um, I just had a haircut where like my like okay, so when you look at my head straight on, 
then like the line, you could just see it curving like uh, the wrong way. Does that make sense? Like it just, or yeah. like, you know, it, it just goes up a little bit too far. And I'm, you know me, so I'm pretty sure about my, how I like, you know, how, how I like to look. Um, but yeah, some people are, just don't need to be cutting hair. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's kind of sad, but, but like I said, I've definitely, that was a long, long time ago and I've been very particular about who's cutting my, I haven't seen person cutting my hair for like a long, long time. So. I'm happy to be secure and, and, you know, have my barber that I need. <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, that, that was the question I was actually pretty excited to ask you about because I know how particular you are about getting your hair. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, I'm just saying, like, how you look is important. <laughs> it's, not, it's not everything, but it is, how, it is important. <laughs> hey, I, I support your life. Um, I recently started cutting my hair through quarantine, so, like, that's been, like, my new quarantine uh, – skill set i guess i've gained mm-hmm. uh and so I, I feel you you know working through trying to fade and get different lengths and go through mm-hmm. all that so I, I support you definitely and I, you're brave though for cutting your own hair in quarantine hey. i would never i would that would that's not my strength you're brave for going to a barber okay <laughs> <laughs> that, that i'm not ready for that life the barber i go to she's like in the regular part of of dallas and so mm-hmm. She's probably around a lot of regular people and regular people are um, the ones that are going to work and have probably have exposure to the virus. And so like, no, I'm not yeah. about that life. That's so, true. Uh, you know, That's true. I just, I just cut my hair one length, line it up. It, it works out. I let my girlfriend do it. You know, there's been lots of, okay. lots of, uh, uh, adventure time with hair. And so it, it's working. Exactly. Out. So this is, this just, no, <laughs> we're kind of going long on this. Uh, I'm very interested about this haircut. So <laughs> did you, <laughs> did you, uh, start just for the quarantine or have you been doing this like, Way before that. Oh, quarantine. Definitely quarantine. Oh, okay. Okay, um, got you, got you. Before, before, I would drive like 30 minutes to go get my haircut, which is like very uh-huh. far. Into, yeah. That's dedication uh, right there. Yeah. And then during quarantine, I was just tired of like looking super rough and my hair was long and it was just so frustrating. So I went and bought some clippers, watched lots of YouTube videos, and then uh, bought this uh, three-way mirror that hangs on the wall. And life has been a lot different for me ever since. Okay. I'm proud of you, Alex. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Uh, all right, and the last question I got for you. What's the most embarrassing fashion trend that you used to wear back in the day? Most embarrassing? Okay, the, um, uh, the cargo shorts. I think that was probably my most. I don't know why I went with that style ever. Uh, it just, I don't think it's a good look. I don't know. It's just not, I just, you know, just gets you some nice, you know, nice shorts. I think that's what, the best way to go. For, but for some reason, I always wore cargo shorts. Like, this is way back in, like, middle school and stuff. So, I've, I've been involved since then. Cargo shorts with the boat shoes? With the, would you say that one more time? I said with the boat shoes? No, I didn't do all that. <laughs> <laughs> I just had the cargo shorts. But, you know. <laughs> that's all hey, I had. Hey, we've all had a moment of wearing boat shoes. You know, that there, was, there were seasons we grow. You know, I used to wear boat shoes back in the day. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I'm not had nothing against them. It just, I don't think, you know, with the, it's too much at one time, you know, you need to pick one. Okay. Hey, I support you, man. I mean, you know, we, <laughs> we all have moments of growth. You look back and be like, Ooh, Ooh, child. Mm-hmm. Like my answer when I was like looking these up, uh, do you know what slouch socks are? I have no idea what it is. Uh, they're like scrunchy socks. So like, if you think like huh. when people just dress up for like, 80s day and they have these like scrunchy socks oh, like, okay got you got you um i used to wear those like all the time with like clear air force ones uh and some jean shorts and a tall tee <laughs> all right i can yeah. picture that that's funny <laughs> yeah yeah i used to i grew up around some uh 
pretty urban human beings. And so okay. uh, I used to be part of that growing up. Like I used to wear black Air Force Ones and everything, right? Like that was, that, that was me. Thing. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, you know, thank God for growth and maturity. You know, we all have mm-hmm. those, those moments of glowing up and mm-hmm. here we are now, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Trying to adult. Trying to adult. Um, <laughs> all right. So thank you so much for uh, obliging my crazy questions. Uh, <laughs> no problem. <laughs> definitely got us going in the right direction. Uh, and so I guess as we transition to today's topic, right? And so in probably by the time we play this, uh, it'll be about three weeks until a uh, good old election uh, for the United States of America for many races. And mm-hmm. I figured, you know, you're one of the few people, you're probably the only person that I know that uh, works in government, uh, specifically like in like a, a job that like works with the, like elected officials. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I was like, why not? Let's use your uh, knowledge and acumen to help educate the people as we navigate preparing for the chaos that's going to come with all things elections. Mm-hmm. So Definitely. That's, that's how you became the topic of interest for listeners. Um, we actually recorded a whole conversation maybe a few months ago and audio quality of it was like absolutely terrible if I'm being honest. Uh, and so this is take two of that. And then <laughs> if you notice any like, Thing, technical difficulties we still had to navigate some of that but this sounds a lot better than what we initially did and so mm-hmm. that's how we got to where we are I think it's, a, it's a testament to you know living in a pandemic life in the pandemic you just roll with it and mm-hmm. try to make the most of what's going on Definitely. uh and so i guess before we get like too deep into like specific topics i want to talk about how you as a black man got into politics because you know for most black people, you know, your aspirations as a kid is usually like, I want to be an athlete. I want to be that guy on TV. I want to mm-hmm. be, you know, people making all this money. Going into politics usually is not the common thread. And so, like, talk me through how you got to wanting to be into politics. Definitely. Well, I would say my um, experience is a little, it's a little different because I don't know exactly why or how it's like I know I know how it happened but I don't really don't know you know what was the exact reason why I got in uh, or I got excited about it as a little child I'll probably say when I was around uh, nine years old is when um people started at least noticing that I was interested in politics like I would just a c-span was on I feel just on the background I would like sit there and watch it and wouldn't want people to turn from c-span um, and I would just be interested in like reading a lot of history books and trying to understand like what is the presidency, um, you know what what do elected officials do in general? How do they even get elected in the first place? So it, it was at a super young age where I was showing signs of being interested in politics. Um, but as I you know went through high school, especially when the primary times when I uh, noticed that you know politics could be a profession where you actually make a true difference in people's, in people's lives. Um, which you can make you know, a difference in people's lives doing almost any other job. But I think in terms of uh, systematic change, um, that's where it happens at the government level. And so that's why I really wanted to get involved um, in the first place. Okay, so you're trying to make that change in the world. Look at you being an influential, influential <laughs> black man. That's what I like to hear. I'm trying, Alex, trying. Hey, hey, I, I feel that. Um, so I guess like as you were growing up, like you're, you're in your mid-20s now, uh, and so... I guess, what role did, like, Barack Obama kind of give you, like, what role did he play in kind of, like, inspiring you to, like, keep pushing through to, like, really mm-hmm. make sure, like, this is something you wanted to do? Mm-hmm. Well, so, I always, people would always, you know, joke and say that I would be the, you know, oh, you can be president run day. 
And I was, you know, when I was, since being involved in like, politics, I always thought that, you know, that'd be a good idea um, to maybe one day run for office. Um, but there's always that doubt in people's eyes when they think, oh, okay, but you're a black man. You want to run for office one day. And how high can you actually go? Because there hasn't ever been a black president. So the fact that I, you know, was alive to see um, an intelligent, um, you know, black man actually run for the presidency and win, I think it was a, just a big confirmation for me that actually is possible. Um, you know, you don't have to set a limit for yourself in terms of where your career can go. You can actually go to the highest office if you, if you, you know, if you want to, if that's what you would like to do. Um, so for me, I think that this is an example um, that it is possible. And then not just that, he also excelled in the job, in my opinion. Um, so that made me more believe um, that, you know, that I could actually, you know, kind of follow in that path um, of trying to make a real difference um, in, you know, in our country. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Like, I, I definitely remember uh, his first, like, my first time voting was, like, his first term going into it. Uh, mm-hmm. So I remember my freshman year of college voting. I was at an HBCU. Uh, and then when he won, oh, my goodness, that was, like, the, the craziest time of, like, all time in college. That's from awesome. Time. At least from a wholesome perspective, let's say that. Uh, because, like, that's, that's around the time where the song uh, My President is Black, My Lambo is Blue came out. Uh-huh. And so, like, I remember, like, when that they announced it on CNN, oh, Barack Obama wins. Like, almost everybody in my hallway, like, I lived in an all-boys dorm at the school I was uh-huh. at at the time. Uh, they put, blasted on, like, put on the speakers, put on repeat, and then, like, blasted it, and then went outside. Uh, and I remember, because, like, I had a test the next day. So, like, I was, like, studying, but, like, I looked outside, and, like, people were, like, blocking the main streets of the city, celebrating, and it's raining, and I'm like, bruh, and like, I just got tired of hearing that song, and I just remember how much hope that kind of brought to, like, all the black people that I was in school with, and I just, mm-hmm. I'm intrigued over, like, the next, like, 15, 20, 30 years, like, how many people that will, like, credit him for, like, when I saw that moment, I was inspired to do this, right? Like, that, mm-hmm. that would be interesting to see in the long term, like, what that looks like for, uh, like, our country, and kind of, like, how that mm-hmm. inspires, like, different black people to want to go into politics or just feel empowered to do anything they want in their lives. Definitely. And I think, I think it is always a good example to have like kids in our country today who they know that it's actually normal. You know, it was normal to have a black president. It's not, it's nothing, you know, out of the order. Um, so that's, I think that's great that kids today will be able to say, Oh, you know, that happened. Um, and then now anybody, you know, other, other barriers can be broken. Um, in terms of gender, in terms of race, you know, it's kind of wide open, I think. For sure, for sure. Uh, hopefully that, you know, more and more, you know, uh, we're in the age of like, there's still like a lot of firsts, right? Like you're the first this, you're the first that. Uh, and so hopefully we can, in time, get rid of like being the first and like, I'm the next. Mm-hmm. The exactly. Because uh, we've had enough of what the norm is and it's time for something mm-hmm. new. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and so I guess as you was going through your journey and like you really started to like realize like going to politics is something you really wanted to do. Like how did people like in your life kind of receive that? What uh, mm-hmm. obstacles did you face? And you know, I guess how did, how, how did people support you through that? Mm-hmm. Um, so I think I've been very lucky in that uh, everybody in my family always was very supportive of me uh, choosing to go into politics. You know, they were always uh, telling me that, you know, you have to really want to do something like that because it is, it's a it's interesting career. You can make a lot of change. You can make a difference, but it also it's a, 
as people say, politics is a contact sport. Um, so, you know, you kind of, it's not, it's not as, it's not as um, easy. Well, I wouldn't say easy, but it's not, it's not as um, comfortable as just going to, you know, a job that you kind of, you know, you're doing your job. Uh, and you get to go home and then you just, you know, worry about your family and your life and what's going on with you, you know, personally. People in politics, people, she, you know, the way you have to lose or win, people usually lose or win by attacking others. Um, so politics in general is just a, sometimes it's not an easy field to go into um, if you, if you, if you want to run for office. Um, so that's just one concern, um, you know, that, or not really concerned, but just a thought people always brought up to me. But on the other side of that, I think that again, my family has been very supportive in saying that I can do whatever I wanted to do, um, and that I've always, you know, wanted to do something like that. So why not, you know, follow whatever your dream is and your passion is. Um, in terms of challenges um, that I've faced or that people in general face in terms of getting into politics, it's it is really interesting to try to get, you know, inside of politics because um, you. People think that you know you just it's easy just running for something, but you have to make connections. Um, it's all about who you know, um, you know. So that's those are really important things. You have to get involved um, and be intentional about how you do that. Um, if you actually want to, you know, grow in your career. Okay, that 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 sounds like every other field almost on some levels, right? Like mm -hmm. you got to yeah. know somebody to know somebody to get that job, rather than like because they don't really care who you know, or, or they don't really care what you know. It's more like who do you know and like. You know, what does that person say about you? So uh, mm -hmm. that, that makes a lot of sense. So I guess, like, how did you, uh, being a kid from Fort Wayne, Indiana, uh, I imagine most of my listeners have no idea what that is. Uh, most, <laughs> most of my listeners live in North Carolina, but that's okay. Um, so I guess, like, being a kid from Fort Wayne, like, how did you, you went to school in Muncie. Uh, like, I guess, how, <laughs> how did you work to find those relationships to kind of help you get your foot in the door to being a politician? Mm-hmm. Well, um, so I was, at least in college, I was really involved uh, with multiple student organizations. Um, and then a lot of alumni from these organizations um, are also, uh, you know, doing kind of similar things or they have in the past. Um, so that was just one way of connecting with people who, you know, already kind of went before me and see, um, you know, what ways I could get involved in politics. Um, also, um, and reaching back to other connections I've had, you know, back in my hometown, um, where I actually, you know, served as an intern um, for the uh, for the mayor's office. Um, and I used to build on those connections also um, to try to, you know, try to get your, my foot in the door um, so that I could, you know, make that impact that I really want to, you know, have. Um, so just, I think just curating those different aspects uh, of my network was the main thing I tried to do throughout college. Okay. Okay. That, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. Um, hopefully that is being fruitful. So I guess like what, how did you, so how did you get into your like current job and like, I guess what is your current job allowing you to like, what impact or mm -hmm. like things are you like able to do through your current job? Yeah. So um, I'll just, first I'll describe what my current job actually is. So I'm currently a legislative assistant um, for the Indiana house of representatives. Um, and so basically what I do is I help uh, state representatives actually, you know, run their actual office so that they are actually um, representing the, their constituents uh, in, a, uh, in, a, in the most, the best way possible that they can. Um, so I actually uh, staff a lot of committees um, that happen within the House of Representatives. Um, and that basically means that I'm making sure that I, uh, I'm paying attention to what's actually going on in the committee meetings 
uh, and then reporting the information back um, to the uh, representatives in the overall um, caucus so that they can, you know, make their decisions um, as well and look over and look over what I've, you know, written in my notes um, so they can vote on those certain issues. Um, so this is one, that's one important aspect of the other important aspect is that you reach out to constituents. Um, so if any constituent has an issue um, in their neighborhood or their area that they, you know, really want to have the representative know, I'm typically the person that the would talk to first. Um, and once I talk to them, uh, I'm trying to, you know, link them up with the best uh, resources that they have uh, within the state. Um, so there's different, multiple different agencies um, that are part of the executive branch um, within the state government. So I'm typically the person who's the liaison between the constituents and those different agencies so that they get the resources that they need. So during this um, time of COVID-19 and the pandemic, uh, that has really uh, played a crucial role in trying to get people, you know, connected to whatever uh, resources they need, you know, to make it through, because it has been a difficult time for a lot of people. Okay, so you're the people, you're one of the people that like, you know, when something happens in the world, people are like, call your local politicians mm -hmm. and like, let them know what you want. You're one of the people that kind of help feel, process all that information? Mm -hmm. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Okay, that's, mm -hmm. that's exciting to know that people actually like listen to what's happening, because uh, like you know, there's probably some skepticism in the world where it's like, yeah, I called this number, yeah, I told them what I wanted, but like, does what do they do with the information? So I guess like, mm -hmm. what is what is some insight in terms of like, what's an example of something that you like got information from like people and then you were able to kind of help enact change on that? Well, uh, without going into super specifics, there has been, I know, like for example. Um, there's been a lot of issues, so it can be uh, working with people who are trying to get, you know, uh, Medicaid, uh, for example. So a constituent will call in and say they or they've been denied, um, and so they they're trying to figure out how they can actually get that uh, that benefit. And they're able to call us uh, because they can't get through to the actual agency who's administering the program, or they can't really get any real answers. So when they reach out to us, then I, uh, you know, will take that information in, then I will reach out directly to um, a liaison um, that works directly for the agency and then so they already are pretty familiar with you know with who I am and then, so I would advocate on that constituents behalf um, so that they are um, that they are you know that they have the best information possible um, going forward and then once that contact happens uh, typically though that liaison from the agency would then reach back out to the constituents to make sure that you know whatever issue happened was resolved so we're kind of the person that just we connect people um, and, you know, to the right, uh, the right people within a different agency so that they can actually get the help that they're needing. Okay. Okay. That, make, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, thanks mm -hmm. for doing that great work, help people get Medicaid and all that stuff. Oh, no so, problem at all. And then I think, um, like I said, we, and it, I know that you talked about a lot about uh, there's some, maybe some skepticism people have. And I think the important thing is that I think everybody who serves in a t similar position, most people, are actually, they're really interested in trying to make sure that people get the services that they need. Um, and then again, the representatives themselves also, when you know, want to make sure that their constituents are also getting um, what they need. So um, I think it's definitely more important work because uh, you are directly helping people uh, on a uh, on a very uh, personal level. Okay, okay, that that makes a lot of sense. Uh, that, that I guess that's like Im impactful to know, right? Because I do like always wonder like people like yeah call this number let your know this is what you want to happen and like 
on some levels, like if you don't see like the thing come to pass, like it doesn't always feel like things are happening. And so mm-hmm. uh, that's exciting to like, I guess, hear your perspective on it and like let, let people know like what the process truly is and like what people do and like how the end result kind of like looks different than like probably just the whole thing being fixed, but it's more like for each person kind of being followed up and make sure like they're, they're mm-hmm. getting it. So, uh, exactly. so definitely exciting. So thank you. Uh, I guess, thank you so much proactively about like just the work that you're doing um, in your career. Keep up the great work. I'm team Deshaun Jordan, president Deshaun Lafayette, Deshaun Jordan for president. What, <laughs> what, what year are you officially? Uh, have you calculated what you're officially uh, eligible to be? I haven't even thought about that. That's a good question. Oh. No, I haven't thought about that at all. Okay. Okay. President Jordan for president 20 insert, insert that. <laughs> It'll be a while. Cause you gotta be like, what? what's the age limit? You gotta be 35 to run for president. 35, that ain't far from now. That ain't far, that's 10 years from now. That's kind of that's nerve wracking right there. Okay, <laughs> President 2030, President Jordan. Yes. Too much pressure? I, pre- I appreciate it. That is a lot of pressure, <laughs> but I appreciate the thought. <laughs> okay, I'm just trying to manifest it for you, right? That's what people oh, say in 2020. Manifestation is what, is what people are saying. And so, hey, 20, at least 2030, if not and beyond, you, you're still being young, get, you know, black don't crack, so you got time. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, so I want to transition just a little bit in terms of kind of like helping people practically kind of like prepare for upcoming uh, like election season because, you know, mm-hmm. we're, we're, we're in the middle of it, smack dab. Uh, and there's so many things that we could talk about, but in the interest of time, we'll probably only be able to get to a few of them. So I guess, like, let's start about, like, just people, like, wanting to vote at all, right? So naturally, like, there's some people that, like, just don't vote. And so, like, I guess, what do you think are some reasons why people don't vote? And, like, what, what would you say to those people that, like, are on the fence and, like, to convince them to vote? Mm-hmm. Okay, definitely. Yeah, I was that the one of the biggest reasons that people don't vote is, is they think that their vote doesn't make a difference. I think that's probably the number one reason. Um, and the, the reality is it makes a big difference. Um, you know, when, if multiple people per precinct um, actually go out and vote, then that could dramatically change an election. Or if people, a lot of people stay home in that particular precinct, they can also switch, switch, uh, change uh, the election in a totally different way. Um, so actually, individual votes are really important um, if you go out there and show up and vote. Um, and I think I read as well that as many as 15% of registered voters um, reported that they, did, that they didn't vote in 2016 because they didn't believe their vote would make a difference. Again, and so we see what result, you know, came from that. So if those if people actually got out and vote, there will be a totally different result. Um, that's how elections are won. If you don't vote, then you are actually giving up um, your say. You are actually, in fact, silencing yourself. So that's probably my biggest pitch to people is that you need to make your voices heard. Uh, if you don't, if you don't like or even do like what's happening currently. Um, you need to make your voice heard uh, because if not, you really don't have a say so and and what's going to happen in the future. Okay. Okay. That, that, that makes sense. Uh, I think so, so for some people, I think like usually when people, they look at elections, like we only really as a society truly care on a large scale, at least like well, like presidential elections. And so like mm-hmm. one thing I think people are like turned off our bias, like the electoral college, right? Cause yeah. if you look back to 2016, uh, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but she definitely mm-hmm. didn't win like the electoral college vote. And so I guess like, can you, I know this is like a very deep thing, but I guess can, like, how can you like break down electoral college vote and kind of like help people understand what that means just a little bit? Mm-hmm. Definitely. And so, yeah, the electoral college is definitely 
a old uh, arcane system um, that I believe it doesn't necessarily fit the actual, you know, times. Um, but it is interesting to actually, you know, to un- it is important to understand what we are currently working with because that is how the, this current presidential election will be decided is by the um, electoral college. Um, so just to give, you know, a few things that are super important about the electoral college. So there, you need 270 electoral college votes to actually win um, the presidency. So 270, and that's an important number. Um, and there's an elector for every member of the House of Representatives. Um, and then there's also, and then the Senate as well. So it's determined by, you know, how many senators, everybody has two senators in their state. Um, and then it varies by terms by how many congressmen and women you have um, in your particular state. So for example, California, the most populous state, um, has two congresswomen and men and uh, two senators. So they get 55 electoral college votes. Um, so that's that's really how it's determined by how many congressmen and women you have, and then also uh, by your two uh, senators. The thing about the electoral college is that's kind of frustrating for people um, is that it kind of sets up a system where some states are determined as swing states, and then other states are you know kind of ignored. So, for example, um, California is, is seen as a more liberal state, um, and since it you know most times it does vote Democratic. Um, candidates usually ignore California uh, because it's already kind of they view it as a set thing. Um, but on the other hand, Florida um, and uh, Pennsylvania, uh, Wisconsin, Michigan, those are typically swing states. Um, and so those are the states that candidates typically go and focus on, um, which again, uh, and those are, um, you know, majority smaller states um, than California, which again has, you know, it's, that has most people. Um, in that state. So that just, that just sets up, uh, you know, a few problems of, in terms of why people believe that the electoral college should be uh, abolished because it doesn't really, it doesn't represent what the views are of the majority of people in the country. Um, it's just, it's really the presidential election is determined um, by those few states. Um, but again, you, if you're going to, currently under the system, if you're going to win, you need 207 electoral votes. So you, if you are in one of those states that I mentioned, at Florida and Michigan and Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, you definitely need to be registering to vote. Everybody does in general, um, but those uh, states most likely will determine um, the election. Okay, okay, that that's that's very interesting. So I live in Texas, and I listen to like a lot of like podcasts and kind of watching the news a lot more recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like Texas is somehow like, you know, people believe like it's more purple than anything. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like, you know, Texas probably is going to be like one of those swing states, too, because we're I'm sure we're pretty big on electoral college votes because this state mm-hmm. is so large. Uh, yeah. And so like I think it's interesting living in a swing state and kind of like how politics looks. And so like I hear political ads like at, at work. I hear political ads like, on the radio. I hear political ads like literally almost everywhere, like every channel I watch. In mm-hmm. Texas is like this person and that person. And I'm like, wow, like y'all really, it just ramps up a lot. And so like, I think it's very well, interesting. Kind of well, that. Texas is very interesting because, it, um, you know, typically it is actually a Republican state and has voted that way for a long, long time. Um, this election, um, it they are, people are saying that it is turning into, it's potentially going to be more of a purple state um, in the future. I'm not sure that it may change, you know, vote. And obviously, this election, but definitely in the future, 
um, as, it, as the state becomes more diverse, I think it, there's an opportunity for it to one day. And the thing about Texas is if that ever was, this is getting really into the weeds of being a political <laughs> junkie, but if, you, if Texas was the one day uh, change the say to being a um, majority democratic state, uh, that would totally change how Electoral College functions because that means that Democratic candidates would have, or for president would have California, most likely um, guaranteed in Texas, uh, which would be, that'd be a major Electoral College win if everything else fell into play as it typically does. So that's, that would be major if Texas ever did, you know, switch um, and become more of a state, a state at club. Okay. I definitely think we're swinging that way because so uh, as of today of uh, us recording this, uh, our governor of the state just uh, changed the like the, the mail-in ballot drop-off places for like mail-in ballots. Uh, they just changed it to where like every you can only have one per county, uh, and so <laughs> in in Houston they had eleven and they had to close ten of them and go down to one, uh, and so I definitely think as a whole, because like our governor is currently a Republican, like I definitely think they see the writing of like what's on the wall, because like these large metropolitan cities in Texas are strongly blue. Uh, and then I think they rely on the large population of rural Texas people to kind of help balance that out. And so I think it's very interesting to watch the voter suppression thing kind of happen like before my eyes and definitely. it's pretty, pretty wild. It is, it is definitely. And then, I think that voter suppression in itself, it's, it's sad because you would think, and at least me as a young person, a person that's trying to, you know, uh, a, a new adult, you would think that people in our country would, of all political stripes, of all political parties, would want everyone to vote. Um, currently, it's not like that. One, there is a particular um, party or interest that wants certain people not to vote uh, because if those people vote, then they most likely will not win their elections. Um, so that's just sad to me um, that, you know, people don't want everyone to vote. It, to me, it shouldn't matter what, who you want to vote for, but everybody should be able to vote. And we shouldn't put up roadblocks to make it more difficult for people to vote, um, especially since that is a right. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, I guess, like, that's probably, like, another, like, layer of, like, frustration for people as they vote, right? Like, how how can politicians get away with like doing kind of like what I just talked about, right? Like how can you get away with like suppressing the vote from like making it like not easy for people to like vote? Uh, like so like in a pandemic, like people have to literally risk their lives to submit mm -hmm. a ballot and like why don't we want to just make that easy for people and like or like gerrymandering and like different things. It's like how can exactly. why do how can politicians get away with that? I guess is like the answer a question people would ask. Well, I would say it really it's uh I don't, I don't want to say it's a cynical answer, but it's because those pe people vote for those people. So again, if you if you vote for people, um, for example, every state has a secretary of state uh, who typically runs all the of the state's you know elections and make sure they're supposed to be fair and balanced and that they're the vote the vote is protected. Um, but if you if you vote for a secretary of state in your state who does not believe that everyone should have the right to vote, then they're gonna they're gonna do you know what their belief is. They're gonna make sure they're gonna fill make sure that you know their people who vote differently from them and their party don't have the opportunity to vote. So it's kind of a they're in, you're kind of invested in it. 
they themselves are going to have to run one day. So they know that if they want to continue to win, they're going to have to do that. And I don't want to, I want to call out certain names of like, um, <laughs> Of the, of the party I'm talking about, but uh, I like I would say that one party is is there's definitely more of a diverse party that wants more people to vote. And there's definitely a party of more, um, the, you know, everybody's almost the same, and there's there's definitely more of a older uh, generation of another party that uh, you know they're they're kind of relying on those that type of voter um, to vote. So, and that's why the system is set up as you know, it is and why people are so working so hard to make sure that people don't vote is because they know if that uh, if a diverse uh, majority comes out and votes, then most likely it might go a whole different way than what they're expecting it to do. Okay. So what it sounds like is people that are currently in power are realizing, man, we're not going to make it unless we rig the situation to help us win is what it feels mm-hmm. like. That's what it, yeah, that's most likely that's what it is. You know, <laughs> people are, people are, it's a choice that they're making. Uh, um, and that to me, that says a lot. If you can't, if you have to actually change, uh, put in barriers in place for people to vote, um, because you can't win without it, that just to me, that means you probably shouldn't be in power in the first place. Or, you know, if you can't just win just by seeing how many people can vote for you, you have to stop you from voting. That just, to me, that says a lot. Okay. Mm-hmm. It, it sure does. I think that's. It's, it's pretty wild to see the lengths people are going to kind of make people's lives hard. So, uh, but thanks for, I guess, thanks for sharing that. <laughs> um, also, this is a whole separate, kind of, it's kind of the same line, but on a side note, that I think that the, I think it's also crazy how we don't have the election day as a national holiday. Um, and there are people that are, it's crazy to me that people are opposed to that. Um, I was actually just talking about this the other day. I think that, um, you know, when we, if we celebrate, if people are celebrating 4th of July and we have other holidays off, why will we not also have, you know, off every election, the election day, which is literally celebrating democracy and our freedom. So I think that, to me, that's more, that would be a more important holiday than celebrating 4th of July. Personally, that's what I believe. Um, because I think that that's people saying that people who are currently have the right to vote they are be able to exercise it. I think that's, we should celebrate that um, as well. I, I, I would, I wholeheartedly agree. Like I think about like, right. So there's like just some days that we have off that it's just like, we don't really, the essence of what it is and what, what practically it looks like in Americans' lives aren't the same, right? So like Labor Day, mo- nobody, yes, we like don't work, but like that also turns into just like a party weekend, right? Mm. Or for July, like we're not, honestly, nobody's really celebrating the essence of people signing the first independence. We're just out here using that as a weekend to get drunk and like party and like have fun. Right. And so why can't we kind of channel that same energy for actually doing something we want it, Like we want people to do, right. You want us to vote, give us an opportunity and take away the capitalistic, like real reality of like, I got to work because most people don't vote because you got to work. And like, you know, we're in a society that if you don't work, you won't be able to pay bills and blah, blah, blah. And you know, we're in the middle of a pandemic. And so like some people work and some aren't. And so why don't we just make it, hey, let's make it a national holiday, uh, pay people to be off work and let them like exercise their rights so they can kind of be uh, great through that process. But here mm-hmm. we are in 2020 still fighting for something that probably shouldn't be that hard to fight for. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say also that I hope people do get out and that they can also, people can vote, you know, early and um, the states that do have mail-in ballots, I will also encourage people to, you know, to do that. Um, 
before their deadlines in their state. So there, there are opportunities, um, you know, to make sure you get your vote. And if you can't vote on an actual election day, um, just make sure you take advantage of that and are proactive and make your plan. Yeah, what a great transition. Cause I was just definitely about to ask you about like, I guess, uh, early voting and like proactive voting. And so like, I guess, what are some things that people should pay attention to in their state in terms of like deadlines? So like, I guess, or even register, uh, timelines to do like early voting. And I guess even like knowing how to vote, like it's sample ballots, like talk through like that whole process of what people could like benefit to know from that. Well, every state kind of has their own different, um, you know, deadlines for registration. Some states actually are even more proactive and they have same day registration. Um, but, you know, majority of states are not on that, that path yet. Um, but um, I would say, though, uh, you definitely need to register to vote if you have moved, if you have changed your name, if you have turned 18, you definitely obviously need to register to vote, or if you recently became a citizen of the United States. So those are the major categories of where you need to register. And I'm also encouraging people to, if you have actually, if you voted in the past, um, but this election, you, you know, you definitely still want, you want to vote. I think you, everybody needs to go and check the registration status as soon as possible, um, before their deadlines to make sure you're still on there. Cause again, this is another, um, form of voter suppression that people are taking off the voter roll rolls. Um, and sometimes, you know, the systems may, something might happen where you may not actually find out that you actually are not registered for this current election. So just go on to be safe and be sure go on uh, to what, your state's website for voting and make sure that you, check, you can actually check your registration status um, and make sure that it is correct before your deadline um, so that you are guaranteed your right. I think that, that that's the most crucial part. Um, if you're not registered to vote, you, again, you're not gonna be able to participate at all in this process. Um, so definitely make sure you do that. And again, um, double check and triple check. Now in terms of um, mail-in voting, um, if, it depends on which state you are in, um, but you can request your ballot um, as soon as possible um, using um, your, you know, the voter uh, websites that are on, on, depending on which state you live in, um, and you can actually request your ballot um, on there. And it really also depends on which state you live in because certain states um, have certain stipulations. So um, I know some states are actually sending um, voters, every voter, a ballot um, to their address and then they would, uh, or a, um, not a ballot, they're sending a, um, um, a request form for a ballot. Um, so that, uh, that is one way, if you live in that, whatever state, you know, that is, um, that is doing that, that is one way you can do that. But also other states are having where you need to have a reason to actually uh, vote by mail. Um, so if you, for example, having COVID-19 or having, um, being, um, having a pre-existing condition uh, may make you able to actually vote by mail in other states. So the, the key thing is just going online and uh, doing your research uh, well, well before any deadline hits. Literally as soon as possible um, is, is the better um, for, for all those different states. Um, and then so um, some examples, um, I know I've, I've, there are, um, there's at least a, not currently nine states that automatically send ballots uh, to active registered voters. And um, also, um, there are other, like I said, there are other states um, where, you know, the, you can actually, you have to request your ballots um, to get those. Um, and then, so the second step after you have done that is once you fill out, get your ballot in the mail, um, 
or what you're sending your request if you live in that state and send your request out um, to uh, the uh, the Indian or the election office per se, um, and then you they send you your actual ballot. Make sure you actually you know you fill out everything look very intently at your uh, ballot to make sure everything is correct uh, before you actually fill it out, and then make sure you fill it out and then return your ballot uh, by mailing um, back in uh, back to your election, local election office. Um, and then also you can do that by, this is very important, you can, you can either return it uh, in person at their office uh, at a secure uh, ballot drop box in your community or at uh, your polling place. Um, and then again, so that, those are very key. You don't necessarily have to even uh, send it back through the postal service. You can't actually drop off your ballot at the actual, your local election office. So those are just a few things, um, you know, that important. Um, in terms of mailing building. Okay, okay. Thank you so much for that. Uh, I think, you know, and just encouraging people to kind of like know what your status is and like whatever you want your status to be. So like if you're not registered, like how do you get registered? Uh, mm -hmm. Researching that process is like important, but also like, you know, once you get registered, like knowing who you want to vote for is like, you know, step two, like how do you submit your ballot? Like, are you risk averse or, or like with COVID-19, do you have it? Or like, do you feel comfortable going to the polls? So like, mm -hmm. you know, know what you need. So make sure you got a valid ID. Uh, is your driver's license or is your ID card like expired? If, if so, hurry up and get a new one. Or like what other things can you bring with you to kind of like make sure you have everything possible to remove them barriers because people, they won't, they're going to try to suppress your vote. And so mm -hmm. uh, if, you, if you stay ready, you ain't got to get ready. So I'm, I'm all about, you know, doing what you can do proactively to make sure you got what you need. So be mm -hmm. successful at these polls because we need your vote y'all definitely i do also want to talk about uh voting in person early as well um because this is currently actually happening right now in a lot of states um so if you are in a state where you can early vote you definitely do it right away um there are currently 41 states that have some form of early voting in place and some start as early as 46 days before the election so we are actually past that now um so again if you have the opportunity um, to vote and uh, early vote, I think that that is also uh, very important if you want to, you know, do that in person and get your vote done. If you can actually go on election day, if you're planning to do that. And again, as a, um, I would say to me as a last resort, I would say if you would also like to vote in person on election day, that is also um, another option. But if you're doing that, I encourage you um, to double check the location and uh, don't forget to bring a mask and hand sanitizer. Um, to those locations and just be prepared in general because there there may be long lines um, but I think if you if people are going with the mindset that this is an important election every election is important but this one is super critical and that I, I need to do whatever it takes to make sure that my voice is heard I think that is what is most important that's very very true bring that mask bring some hand sanitizer and keep that distance mm -hmm. COVID is still a thing we ain't got no vaccine yet and even when we get the vaccine it's going to take a long time to get out, right? So protect yourself, uh, stay away from people, and uh, do what you got to do to stay safe, but still exercise your vote. So I support it 100%. Uh, so I get transitioned just a little bit. Uh, you know, just a few days ago, we had our good old president, first presidential debate. Mm -hmm. And how that was a hot mess. <laughs> oh, uh, so, I, <laughs> so I guess, like, as somebody that, like, works in politics, like, I guess what are your, like, overarching thoughts through like the, the through the debate and like I guess like what should people like look for when they watch the debates and kind of like how mm -hmm. how do you think like what's a productive mindset to have as you process through what happens in debates? Well um so 
as a former debater uh, who has uh, you know won a few championships on the collegiate level, I can definitely say that that was not a debate on any level at, at all. Um, there was there there actually was so many things wrong with that debate, Alex. That <laughs> it's almost hard to even think. So for there, it's hard to debate in general if somebody won't allow you to speak. Um, and at least in terms of like debating on a collegiate level, you have to, there's certain rules that are, you know, put in place and you kind of, you know, you're supposed to abide by those rules. And there, there is a judge in the room that you're trying to actually impress, uh, you know, to vote a certain way. But in this instance, of course, uh, the judge is the, uh, is the American people. And I think the American people were not impressed uh, at all on, on, on any level. And the moderator of the debate um, just did not, did, could not keep control of, of what was going on. Um, and then, again, I'm going to be very frank here because this is now, we're getting in a, this is a certain territory in terms of politics is that it's hard to debate someone who does not allow you, you know, to speak at all. And that was their intent the entire time. And it was to cause chaos. Um, and they, I think they, that person succeeded in causing chaos. Um, and, and of course, both, both sides did interrupt each other, but there is one side that was deliberately trying to interrupt and not allow the other person to actually talk to the American people to get their ideas across. Because that's what the debate should be about, both sides. I don't care what side you're on, but both sides should be able to speak to the American people and lay out their plans, and then we decide. One side shouldn't be trying to not let the other side be heard at all. So we make people didn't actually learn anything from this debate because both sides didn't actually get to speak. Um, so I think that was that was the it was disappointing. It was very disappointing. I know that people are saying that it was the largest um, debate audience in history at the beginning of the debate, but I just know that a lot of people probably tuned it out after a while um, because it was it was not it was just wasn't productive. What do you think about it? Uh, it was it was a hot dumpster fire, and I didn't even watch it, right? So I think, uh, like a lot of people I know, like was going to watch it, and so like I knew mm-hmm. personally, and I was like, our president is very much about chaos, like at, at all levels. If yeah. you just look at many things, like he's about chaos, and so mm-hmm. I knew that this debate wasn't going to be like anything productive because he's yeah. like he enjoys chaos, right? And so as I watched on social media, like as it was going on, like people were just like, "What in the world is going on?" I was like, "See, this is why I didn't watch it." Um, mm-hmm. But I have a plan to watch the vice presidential one, right? I don't know when okay. that is, because uh, I know, like, Mike Pence very much is a, a lot more diplomatic about how he navigates political office than mm-hmm. Donald Trump is, right? And so, like, him and Kamala will definitely be, like, a true debate because I think they're both going to, like, allow each other to talk and, like, present their ideas. And so, like, that's the one. I, you know, that's, the, that's my hope. That's my assumption. I don't know for sure, but, like, I have a lot more confidence in that one than, like, the mm-hmm. presidential one because... Trump very much is about like kind of just antagonizing people and like creating chaos and Pence has yeah. similar ideas, but I also think he's a lot more diplomatic because he's just, mm-hmm. that's just how he navigates spaces, right? Like he's a lot more diplomatic mm-hmm. about it. And so I feel a lot better about watching that one because you'll get more substantial information about how to inform the vote than the presidential one. Definitely. I definitely think that's true. And um, that, that, that is one thing about that, the whole experience of watching the debate that would make me really, Upset is that uh, it just seemed like you know that that big of an audience were actually tuning in, and like the biggest audience in history was tuning into the election. 
Tesh is trying to get, you know, figure out what they're going to do in this election. Hopefully, people kind of already know what they're going to do. I feel like it's very clear, personally. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's just how I, I think. I think it's a pretty clear option. But uh, whoever did, if, you, if there is a, you know, uh, independent voter still out there, um, this was the debates are uh, opportunity for them to finally make up their mind, and they just didn't get that opportunity. So I think they're. I think you a lot of things have to change if they're going to debate again. A lot of things are going to have to change, and the only thing about that is that both sides have to agree on what those changes are, and that's probably not going to happen. So um, it'll just be interesting to see um, if there are changes and how they you know navigate that because I think people deserve way better. Um, you know, voters deserve to be able to hear both people. One hundred percent. But we'll see what happens because we we've seen what happened before and. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have much hope, but you know, maybe I might be wrong. And so, you know, we can keep the uns unshakable hope that things might get better before November 3rd. Uh, so I, I, one thing I want to actually <laughs> hit time. And so like, there's a video that I sent you and uh, hopefully my oh, listeners yeah. have seen the video about uh, get your booty to the polls. Right. So it's a very like pointed uh, advertisement where there are some uh, exotic pole dancers from Atlanta that, them and like another female producer produces whole like political ad where they kind of give information to like their target audience of like people that go to strip clubs uh and like the the gist of it is like get your booty to the polls like election polls uh and the also in the commercial they're dancing on physical polls and they use a lot of like jargon that uh is very pointed to like their audience so like one phrase was like how are you gonna make it rain so like dollars on them if you locked up on some bullshit, uh, like that's the exact phrase from uh, the the commercial. And I guess like I want to hear your thoughts on I guess pointed commercials like that one, uh, but also like ways that politicians use to kind of like I guess pander or advertise to their uh, intended audience. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Well, <laughs> uh, I was I definitely have not didn't that. I only came across it because you showed it to me. So I think I'm, maybe I'm just not in the, my own demographic of uh, young people. I don't know. I maybe I'm just an old man and on the inside or something. I don't know. But uh, my thought about it is that it, I, I don't know. I kind of had mixed feelings because I, I felt like on one hand, I think it was, um, I'm trying to think the best way to say this. I didn't think that it was, um, it's not your traditional way of trying to get people to vote. Um, so that definitely, it won't play to, you know, the, the people who are probably already voting, you know, definitely not older voters, um, or, you know, people in that demographic in general, um, or people who are, you know, typically more like serious about, you know, politics. But on the other side though, um, it, if you are not a, you know, a, a voter who, a person who doesn't really, or not really interested in politics, or you never really, um, you know, you don't really pay that much attention. It will probably get your attention, at least it'll make you know that voting is important. So I think it's just a, it's just an interesting type of way to get people to vote uh, in general. But again, like I said, it may, it, you never know, it may actually get some young people or not even necessarily young, just a certain type of voter, a uh, potential voter to come out and actually register to vote. And if it, I mean, if it does that, then I guess it is some kind of service to democracy. Yes. Um, and I think, and it, and it talks about like this website. And if you go to the website, uh, the website all is talking about like, how do you find out your voter registration status? How do you register mm -hmm. to vote? 
uh, how do you find like sample ballots? Like it's all like very like neutral things, right? Because like, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of comments that I saw about it was like, is this the Democrats pandering to people? And I'm like, I don't know. Like the lady <laughs> that made it was like a very independent, like this is a black lady uh, producer, and like she just made it on her own because she's like, there's a very niche uh, target audience, right? So like, mm-hmm. targeting black men, they probably go to like strip clubs, right? And a lot of things they were saying probably resonates to them. And like, to me, I think it's fine because like that's no different than like if a politician was like, I'm going to erase student loan debt, but like people in the hood probably didn't go to college. And so like, that's no different, right? Like they didn't go to college. Like that's not a message for them either. And so Mm -hmm. I just think like, this is a very like, you know, it's kind of bizarre depending on like your life experiences and your perspective on it. But like, it also targets a specific audience that like traditionally doesn't vote probably. Like I imagine. Exactly. uh, And so like, there's just their effort to try to like convince people like, Hey, this is what it's going to stop. And like, this is kind of, you know, this is relevant information to you to like help impact your community if you really care about that. And so, yeah, I mean, really, truly, if uh, I think if, that, if that's what it takes to get you to <laughs> to register to vote, then I'm like, hey, go ahead and play the video. Like, <laughs> I think, like, I think that hey, if that if that's what you need to get your attention to realize realize that you need to register to vote, then I think, hey, I think right at this point we need people as many people to register to vote as possible and actually go out to polls and be serious about it. So. I think if that's if that's what we need, I think we gotta, people got to got to be innovative. I guess. so, you know, try to get the people to who normally wouldn't show out to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I support it, man. I, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all for it. Like that message isn't for me. Like I'm not a, a strip club guy, but also like if you <laughs> exactly, that caught me off guard. But I, <laughs> I, I knew I knew it would, so that's why I sent it to you. But like, like when you look at like what they like are advertising, like the deliverable of the messages, like go to this website and follow everything that's on it, right? It's all about voter voter rights, voter like registration, mm-hmm. and like how to like find out simple ballot information and like how to research people. And I was like, hey, that's fundamentally like the delivery method is probably not like ideal, but like what message truly is ideal, right? Like if all the messages are pointed to people, right? And so, you know, I yeah. just support people where they are and hey, well, as long as you vote, that's, that's all I really care about, so. Yeah, that's the, like I said, like, that's, the main, that's the main thing. Um, so there's so many more things I want to talk to you about, but we are hitting close to that time uh, for like being an hour. And so I guess like as we kind of wrap it up, um, what are I want to like, ask you? I guess like so for, there's people that are listening that like aren't I guess like the most politically in, inclined and like they want to kind of like become more knowledgeable as they work to be informed voters before they vote in November. Uh, I guess like what are three action items that you would give to the people to like help them research and be more inclined? Mm-hmm. <laughs> So the number one, um, I would say that you need to just research, um, you know, to, in general who the candidates are. I think that's the most important thing. Um, so especially in this terms of this election, uh, mainly for uh, the down ballot candidates, so your local elections, that's where most people don't really know who the people are that are running. Um, even even on election day, a lot of people just vote straight ticket um, because they don't have no idea who these people are. And I think it, that's kind of, that's also uh, bad in a sense um, because you at least want to know that they stand for the things you stand for. You know, you don't want to just vote automatically uh, for them without knowing that, um, or just going there blind, just picking anybody just to fill it up. So I think that you just being proactive and researching what they exactly stand for um, is is super important. And again, you can actually at least I know for a fact in Indiana, but I'm pretty sure in almost every state, if you go to um, the website for uh, that you would register to vote uh, by the state, 
then uh, on that website, it should have an actual listing of everybody on your ballot. So you can actually see everybody's names um, that will be currently running, um, you know, for the election before you actually go in. So and once you get that information, the second thing is then taking that and then actually comparing that to both the websites of the candidate. Um, and so you see, you know, where one candidate stands and what the opposing candidate says on the same issue, that'll also help you determine um, where you're at. And there are also a, uh, should be sections uh, where they have their list of issues that are most important to you. Some people are, um, you know, not really all about the personality of the candidate, but they are really in tune with certain particular issues uh, that they are very important to them. Um, so, for example, if you are interested in criminal justice reform, you probably want to, you know, research just in general, put Google search of what, um, you know, what, what, what are the current laws in your state dealing with criminal justice, the criminal justice system. Um, and then from there, trying to figure out which candidate is promising um, to actually, you know, do the things that you want them to do. Um, so I think a lot of it is just simply just trying to figure out where people stand on certain issues and where you align and then picking that whatever candidate, you know, actually, you know, supports you the best uh, in that effort. And then uh, the third thing I would say is just going in, uh, this sounds probably sounds pretty old, uh, but you don't have to do a physical newspaper, uh, but like New York Times, Washington Post, really any, anything, any news source uh, that you, um, you know, are inclined to look at, I think it's important to look at those, but also looking at some that you may not be interested in, um, just to see where, uh, you know, where, where what they kind of say about certain issues, or what kind of slant they have, um, and all those things kind of Again, I know it may be frustrating to watch an opposing, or like, for example, if you're a Democrat, it's probably be frustrating to watch Fox News. Um, but sometimes it is interesting just to see what the other side is saying. Um, and especially if you're a person who has no experience in politics, you probably want to do that so you can actually figure out, you know, which, which side or which um, what kind of news source, you know, best fits your avenue. Um, and then also to be, try to be as fair uh, as possible. Um, we're trying to decide on that uh, and when you get news for sources from and double checking. So those are probably the three things I would say that are important for people who, you know, really have no indication of, you know, or indication of what politics, you know, really is that you just have to really, um, you know, research as best you can, um, you know, get, the, get as much information about candidates um, and issues as you can before you make any decisions. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. I mean, I think, you, you gave a lot of good like tactics and like, at the end of the day, it just comes down to like doing your research, man. And like mm -hmm. doing your research isn't easy, you know, watching different news outlets that you wouldn't normally watch is probably like, it's not fun, but it also kind of like helps you, like it might sway you a different direction or you might realize mm -hmm. like you That's believe true. something different than you thought, uh, or you might like, it might hunker you down and like what you already believe, like, oh, this is foolishness, right? Like all mm -hmm. that can happen. Uh, but I think that's like important process as you navigate going through like pol pol political things like, you can vote straight party like that might not always mean that they all believe the same thing you believe uh and mm -hmm. so kind of like working through like what does that look like and who do you want to vote for and because ultimately like it comes down to the issues and what they're going to do rather than like republican versus democrat and so the more you can do your research y'all that's that, that's all important and so uh i'll stop it there because there's so many more things like if you look at the list <laughs> that i gave you like we could just keep talking but my goal is to always not go over if i go over an hour like not by that much and so i try to keep it roughly around an hour. And so I guess mm -hmm. if people wanted to kind of like, I guess, keep in touch with you and kind of connect via social media, uh, how could they do that? 
Well, I am on uh, Instagram at uh, Deshaun Jordan. Um, so that is my Instagram handle. So I think um, that could be the best way. If you have any questions about politics at all, uh, you can shoot me a DM and I'll be glad to help answer uh, questions as best as I can. Um, and I also, like I said, the most important thing I think is just to make sure you go out uh, and vote, um, you know, in this election because again, it is, every election is important, but when I say that this is the most important election, it truly, truly is. Um, so take it seriously. Okay, okay. Uh, I will make sure to put your information in the, in the, in the chat because the way you spell Deshaun is probably not oh, how, yeah, that's true. how most people would do it, but that's okay. We, you know, we, we support you in how, how you do that. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, thanks. Thanks again for uh, dropping your knowledge and helping us kind of get a little bit more uh, educated on politics. For everybody else, make sure you vote. Uh, early voting, mail-in vote, do whatever you feel makes you safe. Um, November 3rd is the day, is the magic day of our uh, protect yourself. If you can take off work, I'd say take off work that next day, because uh, no matter what happens, people are going to be mad, people are going to be angry, people are going to have thoughts, and protect yourself as much as you can. I work at a institution that I probably will take off on the fourth because I don't want to be around people that day. Uh, I remember in 2016 <laughs> being at work and I'm like, this sucks. Uh, and so whatever happens after that, like I just want to make sure I can protect my peace and then catch the next day version of whatever the chaos is at work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, thank you so much and everybody else. Uh, thanks for listening and then we'll see y'all next week. <laughs>